run. Hello, and welcome to Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to Lauren about the 10 past 100, which happened a week ago, and that's rescheduled from its original date back in May, and it's the second 100 miler that Centurion Runner have put on with their COVID-19 countermeasures in place. It'd be interesting to hear how she got on with that. I'll also be talking to Lauren about female participation in ultras, why it's comparatively low compared to shorter distances, and if there's anything race organisers or the general running population can do to increase that participation level. In my own running, I've recently finished the Shires and Spires Ultra. That was a week ago. That was my first ultra back post-COVID and also my first uh, ultra of the year. Quite a change from my normal pattern. It's certainly good to get out there and run with some mates. In particular, it was my mate's math first ultra. So we had a, the full experience, including some uh, some ultra meltdowns. So I'm going to try to interview him later to hear what it's like to run your first ultra, what can go wrong, and how you can try and recover and get on with it. And he did finish, and he did sort of enjoy it, which is good to know. And more recently, last weekend, I took part in the Redway Runners Daytona 5000, which was a slightly over 5k race around the Daytona go-kart track in Milton Keynes. Certainly something different and unusual there. A very twisty, windy course doing five and just over five laps to do the 5k. And yeah, the first time I've really tried to run hard and do any fast speed work since April. My legs are certainly complaining about it. But back to ultras, and let's hear what Lauren has to say. Right, with me now is Lauren. She's here to talk about the recent 10 past 100 race by Centurion, which is another one of their 100-mile events, and the second that they've had go-ahead since the COVID restrictions with their own, own COVID control measures. So welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. Cool, thanks for coming. And obviously, it's, uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. The race itself and the COVID as well. And also, towards the end, talk about women ultras, because you made a recent point about this seemed to have quite a low number of women this race. So we'll go on to that later about why you think that might be and if anything can be done to encourage more women to spend their entire weekend running until their legs hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, just a bit of introduction then so people know where you're coming from, a bit about yourself, how you got into running, uh, what's your sort of biggest run achievements to date and why the Thames Pass? Yeah, cool. So um, I'm Lauren. I've been running since uh, about 2010, I think. Um, so I uh, originally was quite into sports growing up in high school. Um, and then when I got to university, just wasn't doing any sports at all, like no activities, mainly just uh, enjoying the university. Life. <laughs> drinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit more of the drinking, less of the activity. Um, so I sort of finished university, graduated in 2009 and then took a year out to go traveling. Um, and I was planning to do kind of the Inca trail and different hiking um, while I was out there. So I wanted to kind of build up some fitness. Um, so I decided to start running. So uh, it was basically just me trying to run to the post box around the corner <laughs> and gradually uh, building up from there. So that was kind of my first uh adventures with running really was uh, just gradually 
trying to get a little bit of fitness. Did you um, think like couch to 5k or anything for that or just sort of do it? No, I didn't. I had, I had done that um, later on when I got sort of back into running because I did have a break while I was traveling. Um, so I did sort of explore that a little bit, um, especially when my other half, he was getting into running. We did do the couch to 5k, which I think is a great entry point. Um, so my first kind of um, race, I guess, and uh, adventure and get in terms of getting into to racing was uh, the Sports Relief Six Miler. Uh, so that would have been in 2011, maybe. Um, and that was a, a one mile uh, loop round Cardiff Bay. Uh, so you did it six times. So that was my my first race, really, my first, uh, yeah, um, intro into into racing and into that world and then yeah sort of the usual finish thought it was awful and then you know quickly forget and sign up for the next thing so um I yeah gradually built up then through doing a few more 10ks I did my first half marathon um and then I did Dublin marathon in 2012 which was my first marathon so that was yeah that that went well it was cold obviously (laughs) ireland in october um but i really yeah i did really enjoy that um that was uh, my family all came out to cheer and i was living over there at the the time so it was quite easy to sort of get get to the start get home uh, and have them at different points of the route so um yeah I, i did really enjoy that but couldn't walk for days afterwards um and yeah you soon forget uh the the pain and then it's uh actually what's next and what can I yeah, how can I kind of challenge myself further I suppose and did you even know about ultras back then because they're a bit weird aren't they that anyone would bother to run further than a marathon no, exactly, exactly yeah I think um even a marathon back then in 2012 that was sort of the the achievement uh, I feel most people didn't think you could go further than that um and yeah even even doing a marathon at that kind of time that was seen to be quite out there I think um whereas now I think that's changed quite a lot over the last few years and uh the marathon's sort of in some some ways no longer seen as uh not that it's not an achievement but in some ways it's seen as kind of uh like how how can you push yourself further I think and take things to the next level and there's all these you know different challenges and things that are that people are kind of getting involved in and doing more regularly now and mm. um, so ultras back then yeah it wasn't wasn't even on my radar um to be honest I, i'm not really sure how i even uh, came across ultras um i'd done a couple of other marathons in sort of the interim years and then the first ultra i signed up for was um uh, the london to brighton challenge okay. um, but i signed up for the half distance so i think it was about 56 kilometers something like that 60 kilometers um so i thought that would be a good stepping stone from marathon to ultra rather than jumping straight into sort of 50 milers or anything longer yeah. but how i came across that i i actually <laughs> have no idea um, how I, day, yeah. yeah I think so yeah just sort of stumbling upon and looking for what would be um the next challenge having done a couple of marathons and um yeah just uh seeing where I could uh, push myself a little bit further I suppose and see how far I could take take my body cool well that didn't put you up ultras you obviously carried on then no and to, to be fair like the uh the event itself like was very well organized but the day was i mean it lashed with rain for maybe 31 of 35 miles so it was grim conditions 
Um, I had road shoes on, uh, wasn't like prepared for trail running whatsoever. So I think the last seven miles, I basically couldn't stand up. So I spent most of the time just sort of trying to shuffle through the mud. Um, but yeah, no, still absolutely like enjoyed every second of it and loved it, even though the experience itself, yeah, could, could have put me off, I suppose, in some ways. But I was, yeah, very, uh, very like uh, new to trail running itself and to ultras. So I, I had no idea about, yeah, gear, shoes, everything else, which uh, once you get into it, then you kind of, uh, start realizing there's all these other uh, ways you can maybe enhance your uh, enjoyment and performance. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more stuff, isn't there? Ultra marathon yes. bits. If you've got a couple of gels and you've got your trainers on, you're pretty much good to go, aren't you? For sure, exactly. I think especially with some of the the longer races, there's such long kit lists as well that you have to carry uh, everything with you. But some of these, yeah, sort of a. Uh, Small, uh, shorter ultras the especially the ones where you're quite well looked after you don't necessarily have to have you know huge amounts of stuff with you uh, uh other than yeah sort of bottles camelback maybe or and, and your shoes and you're good to go but yeah certainly uh that was an experience and, and taught me that actually trail shoes were a thing <laughs> so possibly in muddy conditions road shoes were not ideal exactly. so. Cool. So after that, where did you go and how did you gradually sort of step up to hundreds? So um, after that, I did a race to the stones the following year. So um, I jumped sort of straight then to the 100k. Um, I had been running with a, a, a women's collective called Women Run uh, and they had decided to get a big group of women doing the race to the stones, um, either doing the full amount, doing it one of the days or doing it over the two days so they wanted to try and increase the participation of women uh, in ultras and they wanted okay. to try and get the uh, ratio more to sort of 50 50 in terms of gender representation um so that would have been in 2015 i think it was the first year that race to the stones launched um, and i think they weren't far off to be honest in the end i think it might have been like 60 40 something it was fairly yeah um, balanced um field so um we did most of our training uh run, longer training runs together on the weekends for that so that was quite nice um from a sort of community perspective because i run solo quite a lot i'm not a member of a club um so it was nice to yeah run with with other people and train and kind of do those uh, first you know really massive long training runs with with a group as well so that was uh yeah my first 100k uh yeah race to the stones was, is is a very very well organized event um and you're very well looked after there uh it's it's massive though i it's uh it's i would say it's more sort of like a more like a corporate ultra this is such a like it's such a huge field uh, compared to some of the other races i had done which were very very small yeah, I've um, not done any of them yet, but people do say they're yeah they're not exactly quite London Marathon, but they're definitely on the, the bigger side of ultras. For sure, yeah. For trail races and ultras, it's definitely yeah a different experience from some of the other events I've done. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a fairly uh, uh, scenic route. Uh, it was quite a warm day, but I managed to get in just as uh, just as it was turning dark, and my head torch was uh, <laughs> absolutely useless. That's yeah. a learning experience. <laughs> So I'd run uh, most of the second half with another uh, with a, a gentleman, and he his head torch was much better than mine. So I was sort of staying in his uh, keeping <laughs> in the room, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was yeah the hundred k, and then I stumbled upon Centurion the following year. Then 
and haven't really looked back since. So I've done quite a lot of their events. So uh, 2016, I did my first 50 miler with them. And then I've done uh, pretty much all, I've done all their 50s and three of their hundreds since then. So they're kind of, once I found Centurion, I've not wanted to, to turn away from that experience, I suppose, and that community, because I've met so many people over the last a uh, few years running with them and you see the same faces and it almost feels like going home when you do do an event with them you're always bumping into I, the same. I definitely found that yeah I, I kind of do some during events as much for the people as the events are almost now exactly, yeah although um, they are obviously some of the best events as well so yeah yeah that's the thing I think they're at the top of the game in, in the UK in terms of um, the races and events that they put on and especially like uh, this year uh, with everything that's been going on yeah. they really uh, I think even up to even further so. so this year then you sign up for Thames Pass presumably you expected to run that in May yeah so I think I'm training for it to start yeah. with I signed up for it I think maybe last July I don't even know it was way way back before everything else uh, happened this year yeah. And so I probably started training for it in December, January time, I think. So just gradually building up miles. And I got to about, oh, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 weeks into my training plan um, before it, everything went <laughs> <laughs> went south. And uh, and that was the end of, of race, not just racing, but most things for this mm. year. So, um, so, yeah, once the race was called off in, uh, I think it was probably the end of March, early April, that um, I decided to just take a couple of weeks off. Um, so I sort of had built up to a, a peak and I'd done a 30-miler, which was the Amersham Ultra, and that was literally right before lockdown. So there was all it was sort of up in the air whether that would go ahead. It was about a week or two before we, we got really uh, locked down. Um, so that would have been one of my kind of, peak races before the Thames Bar um, and yeah it kind of it, it was disappointing in a way having built up done so mm. many weeks of training to then uh, have to yeah to, to kind of wonder whether I should continue training and just maintain that fitness or have a little bit of a break uh, mentally more than anything um, so I decided to take a couple of weeks off um, and I then jumped back in then in probably uh, late late May maybe I did the century and the virtual uh, 100 mile week oh, so yeah. that was a good kind of uh, challenge I'd never done 100 miles spread out across a week before so that was a really good uh, place to kind of build some fitness and endurance and definitely a, a completely different challenge to doing it within the one day um, and then yeah just just built back up with training then it was quite difficult obviously especially the early weeks with the lockdown when we were only allowed out once a day and not too far from home um, but luckily because I was doing the Thames path obviously it's it's flat so where I live in London is is flat so I could run along the southeastern part of the Thames path which is not quite scenic uh, <laughs> around by me and uh, so that was kind of replicating training really just just going out running uh, on flat roads uh, for Thames Path. I, th I think if I'd been doing a, a much hillier uh, race, it would have been more challenging right. in terms of getting out to the trails and, and training on uh, hillier ground. Um, so I felt like I could do a decent amount of training um, from my front door. Um, but definitely I didn't feel like I had done as, as many long runs and um, mm. I do pref I do quite like doing races in the build up to longer events as well um just to kind of get 
get a feel for where I'm at and yeah, just and it's quite nice. Can't to have say yeah, so um so yeah, so uh, when when did you know it was definitely gonna happen? Because obviously although they postponed it, I think it, even when uh was it North Downs away within August, wasn't it? I think yeah. that was the first big ultra kind of that came back at all in Britain, wasn't it? So I think a lot of people yeah, were a bit it might work. Yeah, I was really surprised that they managed to get the North Downs on actually. Mm. Um so I think that was probably the moment where I thought Thames Path is probably going to go ahead. I think the whole summer, I was hopeful that it would go ahead, but I didn't really think that it would. No. Um, and I know Centurion and James were constantly putting out videos and information that they were really hopeful that they'd uh, covered kind of all the bases in terms of getting the event on. Um, but yeah, once the North Downs went ahead and they seemed to have a fairly successful race event, then I thought, yeah, this is, this is probably going to go ahead. Um, so yeah, so kind of kind of trying to get my head in the game then for the fact that I was <laughs> You've got going about a month to kind of yeah get your head in the game as you say about running hundred miles. So for anyone that hasn't done the Thames Pass, then you want to explain sort of where it starts and what it is. Yeah, so the Thames Path is a uh, hundred miles from Richmond in southwest London. Um, so it starts on the banks of the river, uh, just from the town hall there in Richmond, and then you pretty much follow the river uh, all the way to Oxford. Uh, there's a few kind of minor bits where you come off from the river, but you just follow the, the meandering river all the way through to Oxford then. So it's a very, very flat race. Uh, this is the, the first longer distance race that I'd done that had been flat. So that was a different yeah. challenge. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, quite, a, quite a nice event, just uh, following, following the river basically. If you follow the river, you can't go too far wrong. Um, I presume in terms of COVID and stuff, they didn't have the usual pick your beer bath and stuff. Did they post it out to in advance and try and keep everyone a bit more separate? Yeah, so the bib was mailed out and then they did a two-hour rolling start. Uh, so you could start any time between, I think it was like half seven and half past nine. Uh, so I think usually the Thames Path starts at nine. So some of us were off a little bit earlier than the usual start time would be, which was quite nice because we got through Reading at a reasonable time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I started about 8am, they kind of sent out suggested uh, guideline times for you uh, to start if you were aiming for certain times, and um, so it did spread the field out. I quite liked the uh, the rolling start, um, I did miss kind of the, the buzz and catching up with people beforehand, but there was no hanging around, so it was basically drop your bags. Uh, if you needed to use the toilet, then you get your temperature checked and you were you were gone. That was it. You were on your way. So no, it was all very... Way, doesn't it? You don't get that nervous hour of waiting, wondering if you're yeah, in exactly. Yeah, I feel like usually you're getting like more and more nervous. I probably have to have about three nervous wheeze before yeah. I'm off <laughs> and, then, and then finally start. And so it's quite nice. Yeah, you just literally had your, your temperature checked and he was like, right, you're, you're on, you're, you're going. So that was it, just straight down onto the, onto the river and on your way then. Excellent. So how did the race go for you then? As you said, it's your first flat one. A lot of people do struggle on the 10th bars. It's a lot yeah. more blockouts than you expect because people underestimate it, I think. Yeah, I think it's definitely a completely different challenge. So I've done the South Downs and the North Downs before. Um, so this was yeah, completely the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and I was sort of prepared for that in a way. I had a strategy, so I decided to run... Uh, three miles and then walk three minutes. Um, so I started that from the absolute beginning. 
um, which I think actually not having the mass start that made that a bit easier because I didn't get carried away with trying to keep up with anyone else and matching anyone else's pace so I could just go at my own um, sort of target pace so that worked quite well so um, so yeah the early miles just ticked off quite nicely I was running kind of in step with one or two other people the field was spread out but you, there was always someone in front and behind um, and obviously with all century events really well marked as well so very easy to to, to follow the, the route um, so yeah early kind of stages went quite well I had a crew um, which I had never had before so I was quite worried about the lack of uh, options at aid stations um, because I'm vegan so I was concerned that I wasn't going to be able to get enough fuel um, and I was worried about the lack of hot food options at halfway as well because usually they have hot food but they were yeah. not putting it on because of the pandemic uh, precautions so I had crew which was nice so my brother came out and crewed me um, and the first crew point was at Staines at mile 20 um, and he'd never crewed before but he was very like on it very organized uh, so had the bottles ready and like trying to get me to have some food even he'd even gone and got calippos as well so that nice. was yeah pretty, pretty good uh, crew experience um, so yeah, I felt pretty good. Uh, the the pretty much the I'd say about the first third of the race, um, and then yeah, you kind of wind along the river. There's some sites like Hampton Court, Windsor, so that's quite nice to uh, see a landmark. Because sometimes when you're following the river, it's just like field, like nice houses. Yeah, there's, field. there's a lot so, of that towards the end, isn't it? It's just for sure, yeah, yeah. The cow. yeah. It feels like you're not getting anywhere, to work, particularly towards the end. So um, that was nice to kind of break up the view a little bit. And uh, yeah, some winding through some really pretty uh, towns along the river, um, very busy in, in any of the sort of towns like Marlow, um, Henley were, were very, very busy with people out enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the, the day. Um, maybe they had the right idea, like drinking from <laughs> their boats and by the river rather than- Yeah, when I did it, I did think that it was a hot day and they were sat in pub gardens drinking beer and you just think, why are we doing this? Yeah, it sort of does cross your mind, like, what am I doing? I'm definitely doing the wrong thing. Um, so, yeah, I felt pretty good up to Marlow, which is about mile 42, I think. And then I just got really nauseous then, which I've never had before um, in an event. And I, I was still trying to figure out what, uh, what caused that. Um, there was nothing really I was doing differently. It wasn't an overly hot day. It was sort of 1920, so it was pretty perfect conditions for running, yeah. really. Um, and I, you know, was doing electrolytes food kind of same as I'd done in previous events so I'm not sure whether it was the, the flatness and that I was moving maybe at a faster pace even though I was still having walk breaks than I, than I, would, than I would have been on a hillier race um but yeah just uh, was struggling to eat then from sort of Marlow onwards so yeah um, that's quite early to be struggling with food isn't it yeah for so sure yeah, I think I'd my, see my crew at Marlow and then by the time I got to Henley, which is about eight mile stretch, I think I'd had about a third of a serene bar. So <laughs> I just wasn't, uh, they were trying to load me up with more food and I'm like, no, I've still got everything I had at the last like crew point. Um, that's what I need to tell you off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was really, really struggling to, to um, eat anything really. It was just making me feel more and more nauseous. Um, so yeah, I don't still don't know really what caused that, but I was just trying to push through and hope that it would uh, would lift and would move on um, like later in the race. Did so, it help? Do you think having your own crew that they could you know shout and swear at you a bit more than a volunteer? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always really enjoyed the volunteer experience at the aid stations anyway, and sometimes they can be, you know, they can get you on your way as well. Yeah. They, can, <laughs> they can push you out the door. Um, so, no, I think from the perspective of knowing that I had, uh, you know, plenty of options, knowing that um, they had... Uh, they had my bottles kind of ready to go with my electrolytes and everything else. So they were, they were pretty well organized and it kind of took the pressure off of um, going into, well, aid stations and maybe having to queue, which but I didn't experience that um, anyway during this event. I know during the North Downs, there was a, a few people who'd said they, they might have had a queue for a few minutes yeah. uh, during early aid stations, but I, even the aid stations I used later, I'd never had any issues with that. But oh, yeah, I think having the crew there was quite nice just to see, yeah, familiar faces along along the way and definitely from uh, being able for them going to get me calippos that was that was a win definitely, in my definitely a win for every race yeah. yeah for sure so obviously you were struggling with food did you ever think about giving up or were you just confident that you know even if you had to crawl on your face you'd make it no it, it did definitely cross my mind which it hasn't done in previous uh races i mean i had a a shocker at the South Downs Way in 2018 and had to walk from mile 35 uh, because I had cramps um, and uh, and a really upset stomach so I know that I'm quite stubborn and even in kind of the worst situations unless it's you know, you know a broken ankle or or something, yeah, yeah. Terrible, yeah then I'll, I'll definitely try and push on and and my, my kind of thoughts are always like well if I get timed out or the sweeper catches me then that that will be enough and that's the day done but I'll try and you know at least keep moving forward as much as I can and then hope that um the whatever the problem is will kind of resolve itself or I can somehow resolve it uh, but yeah, I got through Henley, which was, um, it's kind of the halfway point. I didn't have a drop bag because I had crew up until Reading. So I kind of used Reading as my first real big stop. Uh, so at Reading, which is mile 58, sort of towards 60, really, by the time your GPS has clocked all sorts yeah. of bits, um, I completely changed for the night. So it was starting to get dark. So I got my head torch on. Uh, my brother had been to McDonald's, so I had fries. Cool. So um, I, but I'd been looking forward to them sort of all day. And then as I got closer to Reading, I was like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't eat these. <laughs> Um, but he just like poured them in a bag and I took them with me and I did did manage to nibble on them when they were cold a bit later but um yeah it's just it kind of put me off put me off having anything but definitely on the approach to Reading the section between Reading and Henley sorry Henley and Reading uh I wanted to go home I I was like I just want to be at home with my dog especially and my if you've got a crew as well like and uh, you know they're sat there waiting yeah, to take you home aren't they on previous races, I hadn't had a crew, so it was sort of like, well, if I drop out at Washington in the South Downs Way, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how I'm going to get back. But with a crew, you definitely have that option. But I had a drop bag and I had a finish line bag. Uh, so then I was thinking, oh, we're going to have to go and get the bags or I'll have to come back the next day and get the bags. So in my mind, it was like, oh, it's a bit of a faff. I'll just kind of push on. And then when I saw them at Reading, it didn't really cross my mind of I'm going to drop. Um, I just thought I'll just uh, yeah carry on and um, had a really good section actually after Reading whether it was the fries or whether it was just me being absolutely terrified to be in Reading. <laughs> yeah because sure. it's not the, the highlight of the course is it most of it is very picturesque and beautiful but Reading is a bit. Exactly a bit yeah rough. it's sort of it's quite scenic in places and you do feel quite um, uh, kind of out in the countryside and then you just get kind of uh, overwhelmed really with reading and noise and people and everything else and um, I got there sort of just before dark 
Uh, so it got dark quite early. I think it was about quarter to eight, maybe. Uh, so, so certainly the, it was uh, quite a long night, actually, compared to what I was prepared for it being in May. It would have True, been like, yeah. so, um, yeah, so head torch was on quite early. Got up those awful reading steps because I didn't realise the checkpoint was actually <laughs> Yeah, about a hundred steps, aren't there, up to that checkpoint? Yeah, like. exactly. And because of the pandemic, they had like a one-way system, so you kind of go out the back. Um, but one of the volunteers took me out out the back, and she just said, uh, "I think you should buddy up for the next section um, because <laughs> <laughs> there's been some vandalising of the signs and, and and reports of yeah, all sorts of unsavoury characters by the river." So I managed to cling on to a guy that was uh, nearby and, and had quite a good section there. So from feeling pretty bad, I actually managed to clock off quite a lot of the miles. I think I was just trying to get through that section quite quickly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the most scenic. It's certainly a bit that last time I ran it, I buddied up with someone and it, it just passed so much easier because you're just chatting and not wondering if you're going to stumble across a dead body at the side of the river. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pitch black and there was just people just by the river, like no lights, just, I don't know, like all sorts of characters down yeah. there. There's people heckling, an old man was like yelling stuff at people <laughs> as well. So yeah, I was quite glad to be with someone else. And threw it's kind of ball. part of the fun, isn't it, the tennis class? But yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all, all part of it. <laughs> cool. So after that, then, was it, we kind of, you, you resolved to go and get your drop bag so you're just motoring through, are you? Yeah, so the next, the drop bag and the second one uh, was at Goring, uh, so that's about mile 70, 71. Um, and so, yeah, you've still got quite a considerable chunk to get through mm. after that, really. Um, so I had prepared quite an extensive drop bag, which I usually do with all sorts of kit, food, like to have options, and just got there, sat down, and couldn't even face looking in the bag. Like, why I have packed all this stuff again, I have no idea. Well, so I think, there. Yeah, well, I, did, yeah. I put a beer in there because I really fancied a beer and when I got there, I just stared at this can of beer and going, why is this here? Yeah. yeah, I know. You just don't fancy anything you've actually packed or looked forward to earlier on. Um, so I think I had a can of Coke and about two salty potatoes, um, charged my head torch. And uh, yeah, I just remember getting into scoring and saying, like, I'm dying. <laughs> and the volunteer was like, you're not. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, and I put gloves on, thankfully, because by the time I emerged then, it was freezing cold. Um, so I've been told that it got really cold overnight by the river. Yeah. Uh, I'm usually a really warm person. So when I did the North Downs, I was in a vest the entire night. Um, and yeah, I was I was taken aback by how cold it was. Um, I layered up and I had gloves. But when I came out of Goring, I nearly went back to put my jacket on because I was so cold. Um, and so I realised I had to move a little bit quicker to uh, uh, to keep to keep warmer. Well, it's good that you could move quicker at that point. Yeah, I was still moving quite well. I think up until um, I think maybe it's Pangbourne, the stop after Reading. Um, I kind of was with another guy, and we were sort of shuffling and then having a bit of a run together. So we did clock off that section. Um, quite well but yeah anytime you drop down by the river it was really cold and then this fog started coming in as well which yeah. was quite bizarre yeah it's <laughs> quite eerie it's just it's still such a contrast to the day because the day was such so beautiful and then yeah temperatures really really dropped i was surprised by how cold it, it does was. make you wonder if people live on barges and stuff on the river when it gets that cold even on a hot day it must be ridiculous. yeah sure yeah in winter i can't imagine how cold <laughs> it would be 
Um, and if it had been a colder day as well, I think it would have been because I, I think I've heard before about people having hypothermia and things on the on the Thames Park because they're not prepared for how yeah. cold it is, and it is it does really take you take you by surprise. I mean, sure. I had three layers on when I did the night section. Even that was yeah, probably not quite enough, but I got yeah. through it. But like you, normally I don't run in more than a t-shirt. So yeah, yeah, it's surprising. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think up to. Yeah, the sort of field section around Clifton Hamden, which is about mile 85, I was moving okay and then just got to that section and the aid station just was never appearing. Uh, a runner came past and said, I think it's three miles from here. And I thought it was about a mile. So that was like, oh no, <laughs> it's so far. Yeah, and at that point, three miles is you know best part of an hour if you're not doing too well, isn't it? Exactly, it's, not, yeah. it's not like doing a 20 minute park run. No. Um, so yeah, that that aid station was never ending. I think I expected it at mile eighty five, but my GPS was on like eighty eight by the time I got there. So I was like, oh no! And I was kind. I was hopeful that I would get a sub twenty four, but by the time I got there and it was eighty eight, I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure this is going to happen. Um, and so I knew, yeah, I knew I needed to get a bit of a wiggle on. So I was still trying to shuffle a little bit and I was able to walk at quite a quick pace. So I was still clocking off sort of 16, 17 minute mile walking. Um, and I was realizing I was walking quicker than at any point I was trying to shuffle anyway. <laughs> uh, so I just went with a quick walk then really, um, through, through to, uh, the last couple of aid stations, uh, the dawn exactly. took absolutely forever to come I, it was the longest night i thought the sun was never gonna rise <laughs> um I sunrise is a little r five six at the minute isn't it where it was yeah yeah it would be much yeah. better than that back in may for sure yeah i think it was about half five quarter to six by the time it was even starting to get remotely light um and so i was i think i was just before the final aid station which is about mile 90 495 yeah lower um, rad leaves that last one's yeah. got a boat house isn't it on the side yeah, of the river exactly yeah and that was the sun was coming up then but uh yeah i got to that stage then where i didn't i didn't know that i could make it so <laughs> it's so ridiculous you've come all that way and then you've got i don't know five miles to go and your head's just like oh i'm not i'm not sure now like that i can actually get home and i'm not sure that I can stay out here for another two hours walking, whereas you've been out there for, you know, 20 odd hours anyway. It's, it's funny how the mind works the closer you get. And it to is the... quite a feature this, that last five miles, isn't it? It's just fields yeah. and a river yeah. and you, you know you finish in Oxford, but you can't see anything approaching what looks like buildings. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the, the whole last section is actually, I found really challenging. Like the grass was really wet. Those fields were never ending. And it was quite rutted in places, the, the course as well. And towards Oxford as well, some of the trail was quite muddy. Um, so, yeah, I was not even able to walk quickly <laughs> at that point. I was swaying all over the place because by this point, I'd only had a Coke, really, since uh, since Goring. So I'd literally just oh, had no. Coke all night. <laughs> and I got to the point where I was just, like, all over the place. So, yeah, just trying to, to walk towards uh the finish but uh, yeah i got overtaken by quite a lot of people towards uh the last sort of five miles i just had nothing left so i was quite happy to see see the bridge and the finish excellent so what, what time are you finishing the end then um so i got in i think it was 23 37 i think well that's well under 24 then isn't it? yeah i thought i was going to be cutting it a bit fine especially when i was walking so slowly the last few miles i wasn't sure i was trying to do the maths in my head but that was just the brain wasn't working yeah <laughs> um 
so yeah no in the end it I, I was yeah I had a little bit of a buffer um but uh yeah I was super glad to to see the finish and just declared that it was absolutely horrific and I would not do the Thames <laughs> again um, tell me my next question would you go back and you just said no Absolutely not to the Thames Path. I think I would rather do the South or the North Downs over the Thames Path again. Um, I just found the flatness just so difficult. Yeah. Um, which is strange because I do do a lot of flat running being in London, like it's not super hilly. Um, but I've just found the lack of using different muscles so challenging, like different parts of my body, which never would have been hurting, like hips were just killing through the race. And um, yeah, just the sort of... Um, monotonousness I guess of it um lack of kind of variation in terms of even the views and things as well I really struggled with so I found yeah the the hills definitely uh break it up not just in terms of having that walk break but just using different different muscles I think and just the variation a lot easier um I think yeah I think Thames Path some people love it and and rave about it and want to do it over and over again but I think it's actually one that you can really underestimate um I think it's uh, it's not as easy as it kind of looks on on paper. So you wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a first kind of easy hundred miler to people, then. Um, yeah, I don't think any hundred probably is easy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds but, easy. Um, yeah, no, I think I think people do get enticed because of the flatness, and certainly in terms of like making cutoffs. And if if people are tempted to get sub twenty four, then yes, definitely, I think it's it's doable. Um, because even for me, I was sort of walking most of the last I don't know fifteen fifteen miles and still got in kind of a decent oh, way under the mm. under the the target and well under the cutoff. So I think if you're concerned about yeah getting in for cutoffs, then I think Thames Path is is possibly easier in that way um than some of the other events but in terms of how it feels and 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 the effects on your body i think yeah it's definitely it felt more more challenging from that perspective uh right. yeah I'd, I'd recommend south downs as a as a good first hundred i think yeah i was quicker on south downs and 10 fast as well so yeah. it's like what you think with the extra elevation everything is yeah like you said i think it's just almost easier having a variation yeah for sure Excellent. Well, then on a wider topic that we wanted to discuss that you brought up on Twitter, obviously it's slightly unusual times at the minute, but there were 230 starters and you noted there were only 28 women that started this event. And obviously Centurion do do a lot to try and get women into ultras. It isn't a, a dig at them, but it does seem, as you pointed out, very low this year. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like... Um even last year I felt like there was more women running the events and, and definitely the 50s I think up, up to sort of yeah 50k 50 miler there's there is a lot more women uh, being involved um but the hundreds particularly this year seem especially slow so I uh, sorry low um I saw the North Downs Way 100 when I was tracking that it seemed like there wasn't that many women and obviously running the Thames Path myself I think there was a state I think I've ran maybe about 30 miles at one point where I didn't see a single other woman on the course and obviously the rolling start had spread people out a bit further but yeah I just did not see so when I got to Goring I thought god I don't think there's actually that many women out here running the event um and so yeah so the four times path I think it was possibly less than 10 percent uh and I know that hundreds generally like if you look at some of the kind of more popular events or bigger events like things like western states hard rock um they are there is a considerable 
difference in terms of gender representation. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe that's, that has been the way with the hundreds. Um, and as people get into ultras, maybe they're still at that stage of building up gradually with, with the 50 Ks, 50 milers. Um, but yeah, this year definitely seemed lower, I think, than last year. Um, and I, I don't know if that is just because of the unusual circumstances this year. Um, obviously, there's been challenges in terms of uh, work, family, uh, different commitments for people. Um, and I think right. with women generally being seen as the sort of primary caregivers, potentially some of that uh, things in terms of homeschooling, everything else has fallen upon uh, maybe primarily women's shoulders in, in family situations. So potentially people who might have been signed up for the event might have pulled out because they didn't feel that they could have time to train for something like this yeah you could probably blag a marathon can't you but you can't really blag a hundred mile yeah i think so and i think generally as well like this is a generalization but i do think women like to be more prepared um than men going into these longer events so personally for me like i have a very long training plan i like to you know cover all, all my sessions that i have planned and longer runs and and um, if i was injured or you know i had other commitments and didn't have time to train then i probably wouldn't do the event whereas i know that i did pass a few guys during the event who got chatting to and they'd you know said oh i've had an injury and i've you know run an eight, eight miles and they still do it so i think there is a case of that as well with men being a bit like well i'm just going to go for it whereas i think women tend to be a bit more on the side of uh yeah yeah well you could say that yeah uh, um and yeah just wanting to be more prepared um but yeah i think this year probably that the pandemic has caused uh yeah maybe more women who possibly would have been involved to not be involved but i think more generally there's always issues you know maybe people are concerned about safety it's quite unusual to be you know gone for a whole weekend and to be running right. overnight and uh yeah it's it's i think with something like a 50 or a 50k it's something that you can do in a day in your home uh, especially if you've got family um whereas the 100 miler is, is a big commitment it's it's a whole weekend gone and it's all the training that goes into that as well that maybe people don't think they can necessarily fit in and and commit to i suppose um but yeah there's uh, i'm probably yeah not the best person to ask uh, I suppose why people aren't getting involved in it because I'm already in it so I personally didn't you know didn't feel any barriers in terms of stepping up to that distance um but yeah you I'm sure that... welcome events and on websites and forums and stuff you don't feel there's yeah any for sure like like I've always yeah any event I've done I've always felt like yeah really really welcomed in like I said a big sense of community particularly with the Centurion events as well and um and I feel like um yeah, especially with, with the 50 milers, there's always quite a strong female presence. And even with aid stations, like the volunteers, that I feel like the volunteering, especially on the Thames Path, was, was, was a significant amount of females. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the, uh, where the sort of gap is there and whether it will just continue, the participation will continue to grow over the next few years as more women see other women in the sport and, and realise that, you know, it is um, achievable for, for anyone. Um, you know, I think women as well are, do get concerned about uh, cutoffs. Uh, some of the cutoffs can be quite aggressive in, in certain events. And I think females feel like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm too slow to, to do that, or I'm a bit of a plodder, you know, um, I, I won't get round. But I think, you know, that is definitely um, doable for anyone, really. Um, and if you can, yeah, if you can do a marathon, if you can do a 50k, 50 miler, you, you can do a hundred miler. Like it's, 
it's uh, it's challenging, but I think it is achievable for anyone. That's an interesting point on cutoffs. Although I tend to look near the time, I've never looked to cutoffs when I signed up for a race. So maybe yeah. that is the male ego thing of I'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, maybe the first fifty I did, first century in fifty I did. I was like concerned about the cutoff, um, but in the end, you know, I was fine. I had I had plenty of time. Um, but yeah, there, maybe there is uh, some people who yeah don't want to be pushing the cutoffs or close to the cutoffs or feel like they might be out there on their own where mm. you never are on your own especially in the centurion events like there's always there's always someone out there uh, wherever you are in, in the field um and yeah so um i think uh yeah cut cutoffs definitely possibly play a role safety as well i think is, is a big oh. big part of it um and yeah i think for women who are interested in in stepping up in uh going to do a hundred miler i i think volunteering actually is an amazing experience and way to get a, a good view at the other side and see if it is something that you're interested in in what to do like i before my first hundred i volunteered at the south downs way hundred the year before and i was at alfriston so that's quite a late uh point of the course um but that was an amazing experience like just to be involved in it um see runners in all sorts of different states coming in seeing what runners were doing in terms of fuel their gear everything else so that was a really good kind of insight into uh, the 100 mile experience because i think there is a big um gap really between sort of 50ks 50 miles and 100 it see it does seem like a big big jump. yeah there's not much in, in between is there it is a big jump no for sure uh, it seems like a big step up but like i said i think if you can do you know 50k 50 mile you definitely you can do do 100 as well just a bit longer and go a bit slow and eat a bit more <laughs> exactly. if you can eat of course try and eat a bit more yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so um obviously you've missed a few races this year i presume what, what was this year gonna be for you this the only race you had or uh, yeah, so Thames Path was my main race, so I'm lucky that I've managed to get that get that done. Especially if if we're going to be potentially locked down, maybe. That, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad it's out of the way. Um, I yeah, I was going to do a, a race in Wales by a company called Pegasus uh, Ultra Running. That was part of my training for Thames Path. So that was a 40 miler, which was along a canal, which would have been perfect Thames Path training. Uh, so that I've deferred to next year because it's supposed to be next week and I'm in no place to, <laughs> to run that after the 100. Uh, and I was also going to be doing the Cardiff Half Marathon, uh, which has been postponed to March. But whether big events go ahead even early next year, I'm not sure. I don't know when the first... Yeah, I mean, London's gone for October next year. Isn't it? They're not yeah. even bothering trying for spring. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, so I've got nothing else in the diary now. That's me. I've got my buckle and <laughs> just gonna like savour it for the for the rest well, of the year. Tenth is open for next year. You can go back. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I, um, I've been put off to be honest off the tenth bar. Yeah, um, I wasn't ever planning to go back, but I am well signed up are. for next year because a few of my mates are doing it, so I thought I'd. I'd have fear of missing out if they were doing it. I wasn't. Exactly. But I'm still not sure if I like the idea of doing it. <laughs> Sorry, I've probably put you off. Exactly. <laughs> I'll let them listen to this podcast and see if it's better. <laughs> just put everyone off them. Cool. So you haven't got much on next year. You're just keeping it fairly quiet. At the minute, you're going to see what's happened with yeah, what race no, that actually exists. 
not a huge amount for next year uh yeah obviously see how this kind of all pans out i really want to do western state so um that's why i keep doing one 100 a year to get more tickets so i've been in the ballot uh, twice so this will be my third time uh but obviously they've deferred everyone's entry to next year so the there's no chance of getting in in 2021 so the thames path entry now i've got will be qualification for 2022 which seems like just an age yeah. away um, it's kind of yeah crazy in a way so i don't think i don't think i'll do 100 next year uh, just because i've already got those tickets and there's not really any any need to go through that <laughs> through yeah, that next year. Through it again yeah, yeah so i think i have a break from from hundreds but i might do a, a 50 or something next year but yeah i'll just see how everything uh everything pans out and plays out who knows what's around the corner right now no, so. exactly it's, it's hard to find out for anything at the minute isn't it with doubts are going to happen yeah cool thank you and if people want to follow uh any of your running exploits i've said you're on twitter what's your name on twitter yeah on twitter i'm powered by pb which is uh, it stands for peanut butter <laughs> so, <laughs> It yeah, sounds really performance oriented, personal yeah, best. Yeah. I know, it's definitely not. It's much more food oriented. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have a, an affinity for peanut butter, as my dog does as well. Um, and so that was, yeah, what I'd kind of fuel a lot of my races with the, the good old peanut butter wrap from Centurion A stations. But, yeah. And your Instagram as well, or are you just keeping it on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. So, my Instagram is Lauren H. Rutter, and then there's an underscore at the end as well. It's oh. one of those where I couldn't get my actual names yeah so I, I wish i'd got in on social media earlier and got a decent name but there you go yeah i wasn't cool enough to be on the uh the start of the train. yeah yeah <laughs> oh cool. uh, well thank you very much for coming on and yeah you've raised some interesting points on uh running the Thames pass and running the woman so thank you very much for that cheers no problem i hope you all enjoyed listening to lauren there talk about the Thames pass hundred and how she got on she was one of only a few uh, female competitors that took part that day. It'd be good to see that number gradually creep back up and reach parity. If any other races you'd like to see featured, drop us a line. Game over.